0: world gaming the show where i'm not gonna be talking too much this time yeah why you wonder because palo
1: now has the reign. i stole he... his mouth i stole this guy's mouth okay that's how i am that's why i'm talking more the mouth he's using is like a, a hole i ripped into his face i'm so confused did you so did you rip out my mouth and leave a hole yes yeah yes <laughs> and then i filled up that hole that i filled up that hole and made my own hole which is like you know just a, a perfect circle A small, perfect circle with a diameter of one centimeter. I'm confused. Anyway.
0: (laughs) Hey, guys. uh, Welcome to World Gaming. I hope you guys have been enjoying the episodes Mm -hmm. and the new mics. They are so awesome. Except the time we got retarded and didn't understand what to do. And now Jiao's here to help us because he's the Linux guy when we don't understand anything but
1: computer makes video game. And, yes, apparently... apparently our microphones got into a mutual misunderstanding is that like between russia and ukraine or Uh, like like think of like think of uh think of a girlfriend and boyfriend in weird situation
2: they were ready to (laughs) file an annulment on grounds of psychological incapacity
1: yes and yes they were and the thing is they weren't even married
2: So, let's take things back
0: up. I mean, right now we're going really crazy digital. Let's take things back analog. Because that is the topic for today. Analog Analog games. And who best to talk about than the
1: older one? Me. Yes, because... Yes. And today, I start the interview with the first question being... The obvious question. What is an analog game? It's not digital. Expound.
0: (laughs) Uh, analog games are generally games you don't play on a digital device. You generally, it's an analog thing. You can uh, a good example is like simple sport. I mean, sports like soccer, basketball that like you actually play in real life. These are analog games. Uh, when it comes to other things, I mean, it could be like board games, cards. A uh, simple game of tag, in all technicality, is an analog game. But of course, one can simply say it's just not digital.
1: Okay.
2: Wait, so-, so, so theoretically, dude, we could like sit down and talk about the upcoming basketball like the upcoming NBA season and we'd still be third world gaming
0: uh, essentially because that is I mean third world gaming as we said in the first episode it's about gaming I mean this is not just video stuff this is gamings of all sorts yeah. probably not too much sports because we're not exactly the picture of you know sports athletes type people admittedly admittedly
1: <laughs> well ex- <laughs> except, for the, except for the man over in the distance right here wearing the Barcelona shirt yes okay second question <laughs> so second question what are some of the key things that differentiate analog games from video games mechanic mechanically and systemat and systematically besides well the way they're shown well i mean analog games jenny really, there's no mechanical aspect to morph it than not i mean
0: uh, once you start putting a mechanical or electronic aspect to it, it's not really analog game anymore.
1: Okay. But what I mean by mechanics, I'm not talking about mechanics in the terms of tinky tonky machines. I'm talking about mechanics as in rule sets or how, like uh, okay, how I mean, do the, the game rules mechanics change? Yes, game mechanics.
0: Well, the thing is, uh, when it comes to analog games, rules are essentially, it's weird. I mean, you can have it where your rules are extremely strict. I mean, as seen in professional sports, or even like basketball, golf, volleyball. These well-known sports have very, very well set rules. But the nice thing about analog games is when you go with your friends and things, you can of course change things up. I mean that's why how we got games like horse or weird versions of basketball. Okay. Is <laughs> this because analog games, as much as there are set rules to the game type you're playing, you are free to change it on the fly with your friends or essentially just create new game types. Uh, especially with, uh, yeah, I mean, house rules. You can change it up with size with cards. You can maybe change up the rulings of how things work. Okay. And that's always interesting. You cannot do that in digital just because digital, the rules are already hard locked. I mean, you have to either patch it, mod the system to change any small rule. Basically get into the code. Yeah. If you don't do that, you can't change the analog. You can. And that's a nice thing about it. At the same time, that's also a very problematic thing
1: about it. Okay. So, the next question, what are common examples of analog games today? You know, pop, common, popular examples currently? Well, the most popular one, obviously, is going to be your soccer or basketball. But again, I mean,
0: I'm guessing your questions here are not relating on sports in general.
1: Sports ball. Uh,
0: okay. if you go, I mean, uh, let's go to something that people rethink with analog gaming would be card games. Uh, these would be a trading card games, even like, you know, not like, a. Poker and things. So to be trade card games to Magic the Gathering, Yu-Gi-Oh! Uh you have tabletop games which with games like A D and D D and D V T M. Uh, you'll have Shadowrunner, which is another popular one. Uh, then you also have essentially LARPs, which are essentially analog games as well. Uh, a LARP is a live action roleplay. These are essentially people who dress essentially you know what you do in your MMO. Imagine that, but you're essentially dressed up as your character in real life and you're playing with actual people. And yeah, it's pretty much that. It's an analog, you're basically
1: playing an analog MMO or an analog, uh, mobile MUD. Um, in relation to tabletop RPGs, like, um, what have been, what have been the ones that you've been seeing a lot of recently? Uh, recently, well,
0: it's, VTM has been very popular lately, but I think that was because, it got popular because the a new game of it came out the okay. Requiem series and people got interested in the VTM board game similar with Shadowrunner, Runner where people it's now out on it was out on Steam it was on sale I, I have a copy myself okay. uh, it's really fun and people hey found it. hey this is also tabletop let's play the tabletop uh, AD&D D&D and D&D version 3 and so forth these are just staples that everyone can uh, can get because it's available okay. very difficult though to enter D&D I mean, D and D is a very has lots of reading, uh, especially if you want to go into main campaigns, not short scenarios. Okay. VTM is a little easier uh, as long as you have some understanding to how vampires should work. Okay. But even then, it requires lots of reading, which again is a problem with lots of analog games for tabletop, especially where reading, studying, and lots of effort is required on the players' part to generally join and play these games.
1: Okay. So, touching on the aspect of the players, how different are the audiences between analog and video, and video games?
0: Uh, I guess it's different in the sense that the way they would play a similar game, let's say, like, D&D and Skyrim. Okay. Uh, they're very similar where you have an open-world thing, you have quests, you have side quests, you have these scenarios that can occur. Uh, when a D&D player enters something, the way he views the world is very different. One, he sees it as something that he can really has to adapt to and change to work in his favor. Whereas a Skyrim player might see this as, okay, this is the world, I'll do this. Because he's bound by the rules of the digital video game. I mean, he cannot bend the rules. He cannot say, I want to use this arrow to hit this branch that may shake off something and hit someone. The or current. use this to cause a diversion. In Skyrim, you can't do it. You're set by the rules that the AI does not recognize this as a diversion. Whereas in D&D... Of course, being an analog game, you can change this up. You can make it the GM or the Game Master or Dungeon Master can make it that, yeah, uh, this is enough noise that he would do this. You have more openness in what you can do. Whereas in Skyrim games, it's very, well, tunneled. You really only have one way to go through this. I mean, people say there's multiple ways, but honestly, if you compare D&D to Skyrim in terms of one things you can do, D&D has a lot more options. But same way, D&D has more options to mess with you and probably kill you versus Skyrim. Okay. So there, I guess that's one way players see it. One has the idea that I have to do lots of things and see all my options, yes. and the other one's like, okay, these are my three choices. What do I choose?
1: So one, so one looks at the at everything he has for him, and the other one goes straight into it, knowing that there are Basically things to be optioned. assumed. Yeah, I mean, uh, for like Skyrim, you have the
0: stealth option. Yeah, you have the head-on option. And then you have Sethimachica.
1: So would you say that So would you say that with video game that uh, with the video game audience they're mo they'd be more pr- prone to going into a game with the with certain assumptions? Uh
0: yeah. I mean both will go into games with certain assumptions. Uh, when you bring an analog person to a video, same with a view guy to an analog, they have certain assumptions and they have this idea that it well, should be done this way. In regards to how to play the game. Yeah. Okay. And also in a way, I guess they may consider a game more fun or the other because of those same limited those same things. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't want to think analog and digital are genres in themselves. They're just a different way of gaming altogether. I I, just I honestly never thought of platforms. I
1: don't see them as uh, different genres solely because both are just that big. Yeah, in I mean, their, they're own, for me they're, they're just different platforms. It's yeah, an analog the, platform. They're more like I just yeah they're more like platforms or. Or super categories than they would be genres. Mm-hmm. Okay, in relation to the differentiation between the audiences of analog games and video games, in what ways do these audiences overlap or relate to each other? Well, that's genuine in the games they play. I mean, uh, uh,
0: most analog games do have a digital counterpart. Okay. Uh digital cameras don't always have an analog counterpart, or when they do, it's very limited. Okay. Like uh there are people don't realize there is a sort of RTS like thing in uh analog world which would essentially be LARPs where you're essentially com- literally commanding a bunch of people in
1: front of you. Okay. But of
0: course the problem is these people don't necessarily have to listen to you.
1: <laughs> so basically what you're giving them is suggestions. Not exactly. Commands. Well, with a LARP,
0: you're supposed to follow, you know, your king, leader, or whoever's there. But of course, these are actual people, and they go, "I'm not going to be the bait."
1: Yeah, basically, they'll treat your orders as
2: suggestions.
0: Uh, yeah, they can do that. But I mean, they're essentially each one would have a counterpart. Uh, some games probably not. I mean, I have not found an analog counterpart to Tetris at this point. There might be one. I'm not sure. I.
1: Th- I think that would be Tetris being done by a bunch bunch of guys who are wearing black overalls just to cover their faces and their beings,
2: and then they just move things around. Is there
0: a, is there a board game Tetris?
2: Uh, I don't. Dude, Tetris is based on like this old Russian board game where you try to fit puzzle pieces together. True,
0: but it doesn't have the aspect where you know it disappears. Yeah, and or, things go faster, and you're getting like yeah, that. There okay. is a lot more control over the analog one. Again, I mean, like we said, the analog, you can change the rules, but yeah. Tetris in this thing is not, you have to follow those rules in Tetris, yeah. or the game is just not challenging.
1: Yeah.
0: I mean, this one, this board game that Zhao uh, mentioned, which is a be, uh, Tetris uh, board game, uh, if you probably had a countdown of some sort of clock, it might be similar to it, but at the same time, it just is, it's just too much of a different game. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, they will overlap. But at the same time, their way of viewing the game will be very different. I mean, I know lots of, uh, hardcore D&D and AD&D players who reappreciate games like Skyrim and things. Ironically, they hate digital versions of D&D, AD&D. And I have to agree with them. Most of it's kind of weird. And okay. you have these expectations that will never be met. Okay. Uh, incidentally though, VTM, the video game, not so bad. I mean, I honestly enjoyed it. I played VTM, the, Tabletop a lot more, but the video game was not too bad. Okay. There are things that annoyed you. Okay. But it wasn't no bad. Okay. Not like DD, which it really annoyed you because you became so limited in what you could do. Okay. So yeah, in both sides, I mean they overlap just because similar games, similar possible ways to fix or do the different quests or like requirements for the game to win. But I mean it ends to how they would play it and that's where they really differ. Okay. There's I mean there's not a strict schism between the two. I mean, it's not like when you see PC gamers and like any console gamer and there's this really strict like oh no we're better, oh no we're this one. But with analog
1: and digital so guys it's ba- not really there. So basically they so basically they don't look at the So basically they don't look at each other and start declaring World War Three.
0: Not really. I mean, uh, the most people you'll actually see like, uh, who are against analog gamers okay. are mostly just non, uh, non-gamers in general. Okay. I mean, these are people who would make fun of gamers to begin with.
1: Okay.
0: Uh, they're the ones who would probably poke more fun on analog gamers. But uh, gamers in general, they can kind not of say, like, okay, what you're doing is kind of weird. It's interesting, but I'd rather go to my computer. Okay. The same way the analog gamer looked at the computer. Yeah, your games are really fun, but no, I'd rather go out there and do something. It's just there's a schism in the sense that yeah we like things different ways but we're not going
1: to kill you for it. Okay, so touching on one of the things you actually uh, brought up there, one of the one of the discussions, and that you know one of the uh, example discussions that would likely you know the, be the conclusion for a discussion. Lots of between, words here between an analog gamer and a video gamer. Um, let me uh, pose this question to you. Oh, um, this is gonna also kind of be a, th- yeah. This silence won't be here. <laughs> uh, um, basically, this is coming from a guy who has touched on, has touched on a, on a bit of analog stuff, but th- who has also touched on a good amount of video games. But, a lot of video games. I'd like to switch the dynamic up. Let's say you were presented with a guy whose only context of gaming was video games. Okay. I've met lots of those people. That's reasonable. Okay. How is, um, how can you make, um, in what ways would you present analog games to them that would appeal them? Appeal to them. I'm not, Uh, I'm not peeling an apple. Sorry. Well, I mean, that's essentially you're selling a platform. Okay. Uh,
0: I guess one thing is you try to look at what is this guy's favorite type of genre then you could probably start off with that. I mean okay. if this guy is like a there, believe it or not, there are actually racing games for analog. Okay. This is not actual racing. I mean it's not actually <laughs> uh, going on track and field or using a car. There are analog <laughs> racing games in sort of D&D style context. Uh, but that's, I mean, that's a good way to start this. Look for what type of game genre he likes on his digital platform. And probably go that way. I mean, there are a number of games out there. I mean, if he's the type of person who likes RTS or uh, turn-based strategy games, TBS, I think is the term for that, uh, you can go for Warhammer and things. So you can put this thing that there's more aspects. There's now different levels, especially with strategic-type gamers in RTS and TBS. They love the fact that they can maybe manipulate and use more things. So that'll appeal to them. If you're looking at someone who might do FPS, then you'll probably look in games not D&D. Shadowrunner would be better. And you're essentially showing a sort of more of a tactic self-playing games, which he may or may not enjoy. Okay. I mean, depending on the genre, you could push one thing or the other. You just kind of have to play, okay, he likes this, so I'll try to sell you this game. But in the end, I mean, it's his choice. If he doesn't want to play it that way, it's his thing.
1: Okay. Well, th- Well, thank you for the interview. The reason why we're doing this interview right now is because we'd like to touch on more analog game content down the road. We're physically into touch with least, and we're probably gonna play a few games, <laughs> yeah. and actually get used to this, yeah, or you know get back into stuff because quite honestly, it's been a while since I did anything analog.
0: <laughs> uh, I mean, I, I guess, I mean, I've done a lot of analog things, one because I do make analog games. I mean, lots of the experience I think Paulo's had with analog games are games I've made. In regards to tabletop, yes. In then, regards uh, to tabletop, definitely yes. Hmm. Then, well, you plays,
1: you played magic. Did you also play Yu-Gi-Oh? Or did you just play? Magic I played, and Pokemon? I, I played a lot of Yu-Gi-Oh. I've played, I could say a lot of magic, but these, but uh, as of the past few years, it ended up being me more often than not collecting cards more so than playing them. I still have the cards. I still have deck ideas. I want to put them into practice. The only reason why I haven't implemented them is because, well, finding people to play with. Actually, that's also one thing that's a little problematic with analog
0: gaming. Uh, this is actually finding people. Uh, the reason why that's actually a th- problem, I think, is it's expensive to go into analog games. I mean, people think it's pricey to buy a Play- PlayStation 3, Xbox One, PlayStation 4, uh, a good gaming PC. Good gaming PC. You're investing, what, a good, and you're to 60000 for a really nice setup for different things. Yeah. Uh, and analog gaming hey you're just buying this one deck or you're just buying one no uh, and reality is analog gaming especially when it comes to trading card games or the figure games trading card and
1: figure games oh, are God, actually they going can to be, be very insanely expensive. expensive if you want to win or if you also want to like uh refresh your if you want especially for those who want to constantly refresh their content oh yeah because when an update comes for these things you're paying a lot of money yeah we're talking yeah, um you a... cannot just go to the online store and say yes I want these set of cards. Or or go to or go somewhere and say, Hey, I would like to make an update. I'll wait for an hour. Uh there
0: is no DLC. <laughs> but I mean that's also one major restrictive thing. It is expensive. I mean the uh, my late my last Magic the Gathering deck, it's a sunburst deck, it's five color. Uh, uh I am running about oh, let's say about twenty lands of my forty cards left. About 30 of them are legendary card, are essentially legendary, they're gold cards, and the yeah. others are rares. Um, that thing easily cost me
1: a lot more than, you know, my first gaming setup. Oh gosh, then I don't know how you're gonna feel about this. A lot of those cards can actually be gotten for much cheaper now than when you got them, I think. Nah, that's normal. I mean, yeah. it's old. <laughs> oh yeah, that's, oh yeah, that's another <laughs> thing, at least with t- uh, trading card games. Economy the The real world economy can you know shift in a blink in the blink of an eye. Oh yeah, I mean, but I guess that's another aspect of
0: it. I mean, the collecting thing, which yeah. you can't really do in uh, you know video games. I mean, sure,
1: you can have in Steam the trading cards. You have the achievements. You have these other or things. you could pl- or you could play a game like Hearth like hearths like Hearthstone and um, the- any of those. Uh, uh, 2014-2015 Ma- Planeswalker games. But the thing is, those games, they they have an upper limit to their card pool. Like, after a certain point, you pretty much unlock all the cards there.
0: Yeah, and that's also a limitation with video games. nothing nice thing about how I sell to people to play analog is... There's essentially limitless expansions with analog. Yes. Because, uh, well, I mean, these scenes in video games where there's commu- anything that's community-supported with mods, other things really expands on the universe and makes it you know nearly immortal. Yeah. I mean you can see this with Counter Strike, which still has many mods skins for coming for it. And yes. even Skyrim, I mean Skyrim right now is what a two two, three year old game at this point? Yeah, but it's and still part it's, of the top
1: ten selling games on Steam.
0: Not just that, I mean have you seen the mods for it? It make it gets to the point where if you play vanilla, you're missing so, so much. much. And we see this a lot when it comes to analog games where if you want to add something new, we can add right away. And
1: also, there's no real barrier to the modding. There's no, (laughs) yeah, with analog, there's really no barrier to adding new content. All it requires is one guy, the will to add stuff into it, and basically the desire to put, to see it put into motion.
0: Yep. I mean, the only limitations you get in the modding world in analog stuff is getting people to play your game. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that is the hard part there, especially you have to make sure you know what you're doing. And people don't realize this, but making a board game or, I mean, not a tabletop, literally a board game, yeah. and affecting any small rule in the current board game.
1: Changes everything.
0: Changes everything. And it's not the simplest thing. Uh, it's something I actually told a lot. If you want to learn how to make games, try making a board game. It is very difficult. Or, specifically a board game because that one has a bit more set rules versus mm-hmm. like tabletops. And Magic the Gathering type game, or training yeah. card games, which have some weird... It feels like you need there... to be a lawyer to play that game sometimes. Which one? Magic? Uh, magi- uh, training
1: card games, like Magic the Gathering? Seriously, have you read the lo- Have you rule the books? They're crazy. At, at a certain point, it feels like, one, you're a lawyer. Two, you're a scientist. Three, you're basically a priest. No, you're pretty much a lawyer. So no, no. I, the terms used, it's no, crazy. No, it's <laughs> like, no, when I look at the entirety of the experience, you're basically a lawyer, a scientist, and a priest all in one.
0: Uh, sort of, but I mean, the big part of it being the, called the lawyers' game. Sometimes is remember that card, Time Walk.
1: Yeah, um, the lawyer part actually comes into play a lot when trying to uh, hash out rulings on How, the text on the you, cards. Yes, because that was translations, uh, implementations of the translations of the rulings of text on cards can be. It was kind of confusing. I mean, you, your, did your brain die when you first saw Planeswalker? Uh, Plage Walker was really weird to me just
0: because I didn't understand it. I mean, uh, when I started Magic, I was in Second Edition. Yeah, my my, my Giant Growth cost me two Forest back then. Okay, not like how it cost one. Yeah. So from second gen, I went to third. It, from third edition to third edition to fourth. Then I went on hiatus for a long, long while. When I came back, suddenly there are these things called equipment, which I did not understand.
1: There was yeah, there was these... when, like when I
0: killed something. Why is that still there? Oh, it's equipment. What does that mean? It... Then then I went hiatus again. Then I came back. They're now planeswalkers. Oh, what are those? Oh, it's like they're players, but they're not.
2: What does this mean?
0: <laughs> so your brain didn't go dead. No, it's just like I could not understand it because there was no rule books and essentially people I played with just made the assumption you knew it. Yeah. Which kinda bothered me also. I've yeah, and that was also during the time where I one thing I hate about analog gaming versus digital. What? Analog has no tutorial.
1: (laughs) Unless I play tutorial stages a lot. Unless some unless someone actually bothers to go into the details
0: no, that's not really a
1: tutorial. You. I mean, you can't just like uh, bug this guy yeah, outside. Like, Teach the... me how
0: this works. Yeah, that's called Can an... you
1: repeat that? Huh? That's not a tutorial that anymore. That's an instruction session.
0: Yeah, that's why. Uh... And that's also another hard part about analog games is getting into it. I mean, like I mentioned for D&D, AD&D and things, there is a lot of reading. A and I am reading. not kidding you. There is a lot this of is... reading. And this isn't lore, is it? It's lore and it's also game mechanics. Everything. How much uh, of it is game
1: mechanics? Not enough.
0: It's a uh, game mechanics. There's just one book on game mechanics. It's not that thick a book. It's just I think about thirty or forty pages. But and... it's not enough to get th- to really get into it. No, I mean that just tells you what you could do and how to do it essentially. But the uh, big problems like uh, when a GM has a scenario, like uh, when I used to play with my dungeon master back in high school. We'd be, doing, we'd be reading a lot of things. Okay. Uh, it wasn't so bad. I mean, it got worse when I tried one in college where I was handed a reading of about 28 pages, yeah. font 12, okay. Uh, Tahoma. Okay. It was a lot of reading, and it was pure text okay. that built up the city, that built up the quest, that built up everything. And then you're trying to read this all, and if you don't read it, you will get lost in the game. And there'll always be this one guy who might not read through <laughs> everything and just ruin everything immediately. Okay. And you just feel so annoyed and so frustrated. Worst part is if there's actually a plot hole and the DM mixes, <laughs> misses that, a good DM or a good GM can fix it on the fly. Most people cannot, so you end up having a hung game, essentially. Like, the game, essentially, crashes on you. Okay. The GM, where the GM is like, okay, guys, wait. we have to stop. Wait, I have no idea what to do now. Stop. Let's reconvene somewhere else. And I get these things back in, when I get things back in order. That happens. Okay. And that's also the problem of having something so moddable, essentially. Okay. Which annoys people further because you don't really have that in the game. And If your game kind of crashes that way, okay, either there's a patch will come out soon or please play something else. Well, it's really easy. Not okay. like uh, tabletop games where you're kind of investing so much effort to go into this. I mean, uh, you can't go to like a net cafe to play it. Tabletop game. I mean, you can't even go to Neutral Grounds here to really play, you know, tabletop games in general. I mean, yeah. Neutral Grounds is really meant for. It's. Ironically, it's not very neutral. <laughs> I mean,
1: you have to go there for magic or you go there for clicks. Um, most. These days, I mostly see the guys in Neutral Grounds either playing Vanguard or MTG.
0: Yeah. But that's why I mean, so it's not really neutral because if you try playing something else, people give you weird looks.
1: It's either they give you weird looks or. There's just no one to play with.
0: Yeah, and they have this thing that looks like they're telling you to leave. You end up becoming the weird guy among you know what people consider the weird people. Okay, did this did this happen recently? Uh not recently at all. I mean uh I experienced that I think back <laughs> in two thousand and six Oh, or we just so... needed a place to sit and we kind of, hey, neutral this uh, neutral guy has some tables up. Okay, let's go here. what People gonna give you a weird look to, you know, we need, can you guys like finish up whatever this small thing you're doing because we need to have to play a magic game. Because like the tabletops I play, we don't have a dungeon board. Okay. We just have our sheets. Uh, okay. And then, This is actually a game I made, but even when I played some of my friends, we don't have actual boards or dungeon things just because we don't need it. Just sheets. We just kind of need the sheets and the dice and we're fine. But if you're not into this, you just see a bunch of guys with bond paper rolling dice in the middle. Okay. I mean, I remember once or twice when we played this in college where uh, I think it was a teacher (sighs) or someone else thought we were gambling. Really? Well, you see a bunch of guys going around the table and everyone's rolling dice. Yeah. It kind of looks like it might be something else. Really? Gambling? Yeah, gambling was actually a thing. It uh, even happened back in uh, my high school days where we'd play with cards and people thought we were like doing some poker or something because we okay. park park the cards out. Uh, we used cards mainly because we could not get the proper dice. So sometimes we had to use a weird card system. Okay. Uh, I had my own version of the card system. It did not work well, but it worked better than using just six side dice. A D6 system is really, really bad. You really need lots. loss. That's what you saw when I break up the things out. I had like, yeah. I had D4s, D6, D4s, D7s, D7s D8s, D8s, D9s, D10s. I had a D12. You had all the dice. D20. No, I didn't have all of them. I had a good lot. Most of the dice. What dice were you missing? I was missing a D2. I was missing a D3. I was missing a D5. As missing a D fifteen, a D twenty one, a D sixty, a D one hundred, and a the D one hundred. though, is almost a joke. Uh, okay. Uh, I've only ever seen a D one hundred used once. How big would the D one hundred be? Uh, it's not really that big. It just feels like a golf ball. <laughs> Essentially, what there you have to roll it in a
1: very special place, or it'll just never ever stop. This this is news to me. I have not. I've yet to see a D one hundred. At all? Just imagine a big golf ball. It's pretty much the same thing. Uh, with numbers, yeah. So it's bigger than a golf ball by at least a, sl- a small bit. Well, it has to be bigger because if it's not, it'll just literally keep on rolling. So how do you how do you tell which number is the one that came on the on the roll? What's on top, like any other dice? Okay. So it's angled that. So the numbers are angled that way.
0: Yeah, it's, I mean, it's still flat. I mean the <laughs> the only ones that look weird are like the D threes. And, uh, well, D2 isn't bad. The D3 and the D4 look weird. How does the D2 look like? The D2 is called a coin.
1: Yeah, I was expecting that. (laughs) I was expecting that. Uh, But funny enough,
0: there is a D1 also. The D1 is almost a joke dice we use. It looks exactly as a D2. It's just like. Everything's the same. Yeah.
1: Couldn't that also just be a
0: ball? Uh. Because it's just one. Well, no, I mean, people would say a circle is, or <laughs> spheroid is multiple sides. <laughs> yeah, but. But, uh, well, I mean, the D1 is just used for, like, unavoidable injuries. Essentially, you got stung by a hornet, or you got this thing, or you fumbled. <laughs> so
2: uh, so. It's the-
0: very rare it's more of a joke dice. We don't reuse really it. The most okay. common dice we use are D4, D6, D8, D10. d And D20. Uh, D10 being the most commonly used one. Okay. because we use a D10 system I use a D10 system I don't like the other systems because because I find them unfair which is also another okay. problem also with uh analog things is there are lots of systems and you can't really jump to one game to another especially if their systems different okay maybe in the character sheet I mean people thought like uh jumping from Skyrim to maybe another game like a uh, wasn't what would be a Skyrim s type game in terms of open worldness
1: in terms of open worldness,
0: uh, Far Cry? Far Cry with that. Skyrim and Far Cry. You kind of get an idea to how to kind of work both because it feels really similar. Yeah. But if you play like a AD&D or D&D and jump to let's say VTM or Shadowrunner it's like a completely different system. Your sheet is so different. Everything is so different. You have to relearn everything.
1: And the die. I assume there's also that also affects the dice systems? It could because there
0: are different dice systems. D ten is the most popular, but no, there's not only D10. There's also a D twenty system, there's a lot of other systems available, D6 being the worst, but D6 was just popular because no matter where you're in the world, you'll generally find six side dice. Yeah. I mean, if you tell people there's more there's dice that's more than six side, most people are just like amazed by it. I mean when I showed people my like D10s or other things, they're like, Wow, what is this? This is yeah. so cool. <laughs> like,
1: okay. Yeah, that tends to happen.
0: Because, I mean, all they see are dice that you see in board games, which is like six-sided. Yeah. I mean, I don't remember a board game that had more than six sides with the dice. Okay. But that's also something I tried experimenting. I got games like Monopoly and changed up the dice just to see what would happen. Well, how was it? It's really, really weird. The game really changed up in a strange way. I mean, depending on which die you used. Like, if you use a D20. Yeah. The game became nearly impossible to finish because you'd literally just be running all around, and you'd go through ghosts so many times over. And be- you had to drop the money you'd be getting, or you just end up too rich. Okay. Then we try do a four system. It's like the fastest way to end the game. Okay. <laughs> because essentially, if you're the first person, you'll probably buy a property that this person will most likely fall onto. <laughs> okay. So it's a really fast way to win. Uh, do you think a D ten was interesting? mainly because uh, d10s of course are ten sided but a d10 is zero to nine in value okay so you could literally go nowhere you could go nine or you just not move okay and and an dynamic in the fact that you know sometimes you want zero because yay I'm safe I don't have to pay. I don't have to pay this thing yeah but the thing is you also made that if you were on someone else's property and you paid zero and you're zero you're essentially staying another night. So, so that one added the most interesting dynamic to it. Okay. It didn't feel too fast. didn't feel too slow. But the biggest issue was it was impossible to go to jail with speeding. Okay. Because it needs two dice. And if you use two D10s, you're not going anywhere. Same like if you use two D20s where your maximum roll can be 40. That's... I'm going
1: around the board.
0: How how many squares are on a Monopoly board again? Uh, 10, 10, 10, 10. So that means it's eighty. it's uh, 8, 8. 36. 36. So essentially, you would go beyond the entire circle of the board. So you would end up in... If you start from Go, you would end up, I think, at income tax.
1: Oh. So you you would have started at Go and then you would have passed go again, then you would have gotten there. Yeah,
0: I mean, you'd lose nothing, essentially, but essentially, you know, you went around the entire place... Dang. <laughs> ...and just paid taxes. Okay. Uh, that's an interesting thing, though, about the analog and changing it up. Because okay. I have played with people who have changed up games and made it really, really fun. Okay. But, of course, there's a reason why I made my game that I had to figure a way to get people to play. Okay. And the easy way I found out to make uh, my game more playable was... I removed lots of effort from the player side when it came to learning lore and learning how the game works. I just basically gave the basic understanding that, okay, do this and this and I'll explain to you as you go. Okay. It's not like in other games where people kind of get annoyed with you if you don't understand what you're doing. Okay. But, I mean, I did that more because I want to play my games and there's no one here. Okay. (laughs) So, I might make it simple enough. Which is an exact reverse to how when I play video games, I think uh, Bodega remembers this where when I introduce something new game, I'm essentially putting it at the highest possible difficulty immediately. I mean, when we played uh, Battlefield Vietnam. Okay, guys, this is Battlefield Vietnam. First time we're playing it. I'm not going to... Let's see. Difficulty... Should I make it 100? No, no, no. It's a little easier. 95%. Okay. Enemy numbers. Eh, 1 to 10 should be fine. And (laughs) let's go to this hard stage. Okay, guys, Go! (laughs) And essentially I they just kinda of oh okay, so I pick a class and why are there so many of them? I still remember boxing, dude the bots are too accurate. Of course not, they're not accurate at all. How are they killing me so quickly? Or are they, like there are forty of them shooting at you, I mean
1: statistically one of them's gonna hit you. Somehow this is reminding me of the of that recent time I was playing with AG and TJ. I think that was a few months ago. Came back. First thing I decided to do. You know what? Let's start this first game that we have had for Vietnam in a long time with ninety percent, and as many bots as I could possibly put in the mat. And we were only three guys. So how'd that go? We didn't take a thing. This was Irving, (laughs) mind you. This was Irving. It was horrible.
0: It was horrible. I mean, that's a little nice thing with some vo- some of the Battlefield games, at least the older ones I enjoyed, was you could sort of mod it a bit more. Yeah. Uh, it, I guess it had that weird analog feel to it. But I mean, that's also one thing I love about digital games is, I mean, I'm still going on the top here. I mean, the interview has been long over, I guess, at this point. But still related. one thing I love about the video games is really the set rules. And I think it's one thing that people will not say it immediately, that the set rules and the fact that you can't really change them is what makes a number of video games fun and very playable. When you can start changing too many aspects of the game,
1: it becomes really, really weird. I think there's, I think there's the sweet spot between ch- being able to modify enough things that the game becomes more interesting and more fun, and that, and that um other aspect where, and that other aspect where not having enough rules in place means that there'd be too that you'd have a situation where there'd be just too much to understand to be able to actually play.
0: I mean uh, I guess a good, nice way to see this is Gary's Mod. Yeah. If you play Barry's Mod in community servers and things, yeah. It's really weird. I mean, if you're playing an RP server, there are very
1: strict rules that are not written in the game. But if it's a com- but if it's like um if it's, like, um quick match, quote-unquote.
0: Yeah, there's, like, some weirdness to it that would be very open and you end up doing some strange stuff, which isn't so bad.
1: Yeah, but though it though you'll probably spend the first five minutes trying to understand what you're supposed to do. Yeah. Uh,
0: and, I mean, Gmod,
1: I'm actually surprised it's really a top-selling game.
0: Yeah. Just because it's such a difficult game to get into. <laughs> and I guess another one that would be interesting is I... I still will not consider the game. I will consider it a weird platform to which you can build games on. Which one? Uh, Second Life. I'm sorry, it's essentially
1: a weird interactive like a uh, chat room. It's a weird interactive chat room. With yes, it's a weird interactive chat room where you actually have player avatars, not just smileys and usernames.
0: Yeah, but I mean, I see where games can be played on it. I mean, the same way when I go to forums. A forum's a forum, but I can always find forum games, forum RPs, which I enjoy going into. Yeah Uh, Lots of the RPs I've actually played in college Were forum based RPs Okay Uh, These ones are insane So Second Life It's not a game But it is A possible platform For games Okay You'll see people there Since this one Really has no actual rules You really have to have The honor system To play in that game Okay And you end up Meeting very insane communities And lots of insane people but of course, you'll always find lots of people who'll just mess up the game because you know they don't have to follow your made-up rules because there's nothing that's hardwired to stop it, so, which is an annoying thing. I mean, that's why you have these people saying, "Lol, it's just a game." No. So, ha, ha, basi- ha,
1: ha. so basically, goes back to the idea that. It's not even a hacker. Yeah. It's just a guy just messing with you. So it goes back to the idea that you're the king. You give orders, but the people who are who are quote unquote listening to your orders are looking at them as suggestions.
0: Yeah, I mean that's a problem we also have in analog, especially in LARPs where if you don't have a well-organized LARP group, things can go really wrong. But uh, nowadays, I mean, it's not like before where LARPs were pretty big. Uh, with the okay. dawn of well, actually lots of MMOs, MOBAs, LARPing has been dropping and dropping in popularity.
1: Okay.
0: Uh, before, LARPs could go upwards towards, I think, 50 to 60 people. Sometimes the biggest ones were 300.
1: Okay.
0: Uh, nowadays, you're lucky to have a LARP with like 8 or 12 people. Actually,
2: 12 people is really amazing. Wow. Really went that way. A question about like Second Life. Mm. Have you played D and D on Second Life? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) How was it? It's just like it's
0: actually interesting. At the same time, it was really, really long. Okay, I mean, insanely long. Mainly because you uh, you had to type everything, and when DMs have to talk to you, it's like a. I mean, we just talk, it's very fast, it's very easy, but when you have to type everything out, okay, it's like, okay, he's like, you just got him, you're just like, I so hope he didn't go F K or he just didn't like lock off. I honestly, like, uh, <laughs> there's this section I played, uh, it was a game, it was based off, it was called Gore, not okay. Gore, like G-O-R-E, but it's G-O-R, it's based off a book series, it's okay. a very nice uh, setup. Uh I played a scenario there where I was part of the thieves group or something. Okay. And I was just a messenger. And essentially what happened was we met. Okay, I had to bring these people. We all met in this room and discussed what was going on. Okay. Now, what would happen there would just be the briefing scenario of a tabletop game. Okay. Which would be finished in about 15, maybe 30 minutes. Okay. Okay, that thing there, we finished it in two days.
2: How
1: did something that short become something so long? Twitch
2: plays Pokemon.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Simply typing. Oh. Uh, I mean, some of the better base, oh gosh, if you're you, they can type really, really fast and get everything done quickly. But of course, you know, there'll always be people that are not used to typing as quickly. Okay. It's... And some of them, like, they type, like, oh no, backspace, backspace. You're just sitting there waiting for them to react because it's like if a person talks to you, Yeah. you have to wait for them to respond. Okay. And essentially, the response can take forever. Okay. So just like. Cl- you have like five people in that room who have
1: to talk and give responses. Like, well. So, um. It's gonna be a while. Just to clarify, with, uh, play, with, uh, playing, uh, D or any tabletops in Second Life, how many times have you had to reclarify, uh, roles? Oh, uh, no. Uh, there's, uh, lots of them have, uh, programs set up that they, it'll actually roll. So you,
0: like, hit this box or click this thing that, it'll give you a dice roll. So that's not an issue. Okay. The real problem is when you talk to people and okay. well, it takes forever. Yeah. Because, you know, they actually have to talk. Yeah. And, what? I mean, it, it sounds funny, but the fact that you have to type it all out, especially yeah. with how D&D players play and how most tabletoppers think, yeah, that's we pretty want long. to really build a nice atmosphere. It's not simply us saying, oh, character. We're just saying, Oh hey man, how are you doing? Blah blah. No, we'll talk with an accent, and sometimes we'll even add like settings and different things and, and gesturing.
1: And you'll pretty much with um, the text. T- put the your gestures, your mo- your gestures, tone of voice, change of intonation. Cha- yeah, we little, put all those little things there to you know, make it more immersive. And even though lot. it's like a very long sort thing. of
0: like a video game, it's in like well because we see actual characters and it makes base- it really
1: slow. So basically, you all. And put... there's also
0: another turn off people have with it because imagine, like, uh, something that will take in 15 or 30 minutes in such a standard video game or even an analog game took us, like, two days to finish. And even, okay. like, us, like what you remember in the games we played on My Tabletop. Yeah. Uh, the snares we played, we can technically finish in a game in, what, one, two hours? Yeah. But we finished that scenario in, what, a week?
1: Yeah, I recall that one. I well, mean, the very first time week. I
0: got Bodega to play, it was that scenario I placed you on like this haunted ship that ended with a dragon. Okay. It was insane. I mean, that's my tutorial stages, so it's kind of a little weird just to let them understand what's going on there. Uh That scenario, if you played it on a video game, we probably will finish it in about 30 minutes, 45 minutes tops. Uh, I think we spent five hours on that one. Okay. Simply because it was really different and we had everyone had to go through the things. And that's something people hate also. I mean, lots of online game, lots of video gamers, especially people who play video games now, they like that speed. I mean, people hate loading times so much that uh, the concept of an analog game might just piss them off. Or they have to wait even further. Okay. Uh, analog gamers don't mind the wait. Okay. I mean, when they go into games, loading times then you don't bother them. Okay. What bothers them is, why can't I do this? This makes sense. Or okay. like, this, if they say an analog gamer would play a game like Resident Evil. Yes. And wonder, this door is locked. You need the blue key. But I have a shotgun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> why can't I open this door? Shoot the knob. In DD, and you could probably... You know, yeah, shoot the knob. The door is now open. In the video game, I know you have weapons that could destroy this flimsy door, but no, you gotta find that key. Okay. And in d we do think about like why this key would be in here and why it would be set up. In Resident Evil, it's like the key is hidden behind this painting which you have to set on fire. Okay. Now think about it in real life. Would you honestly do these things where I gotta set this thing on fire to find this thing or I have to move this statue to point A to point B? I do. It sounds really weird. I mean, it's a fun yeah. puzzle, but if you think about life before the zombie apocalypse, what
1: the heck were wrong with? You? What the heck was wrong with these people? No, the first, the first thing I do is find the e- find the easiest way to solve the thing without doing something that is so time consuming that i might I might as well just present myself to zombies and turn into a free meal. In the analog games, you can say, we can solve this puzzle.
0: Can we break it? (laughs) You can. I mean, that was the nice thing about it. And some people, especially video gamers, like that aspect. Where they can break out of it when they finally figure out, hey, I can break out of this thing and do other stuff. Okay. But then it also, I guess, but this one's maybe a fault towards some players, is when they see some video gamers or some new players come in. Some of them do things, I think the term is called pub stomping. Okay. Where they essentially just kind of just beat you down. Essentially, you know, they start the bullying. It's just never good. Okay. I mean, especially, I know lots of people when they play a new game and they get bullied, they generally never play the game again. Yeah. And that's never good, especially with Analog, which has been getting thinner and thinner. I mean, it jumps up in popularity every now and then.
2: Okay. There have been
0: times it's become very popular, especially back in 2008, 2009, for some reason it became really popular again. Okay. Then it started dying now and again. Okay. I'm not sure why, but I'm hoping it'll go back up again soon. Uh they're still fun to play. But yeah. uh heck I mean uh what do you guys think? I mean we've been talking a bit about Allen games. What games do you play? Do you play train card games, you play billboard I mean the, the billboard up. Uh, uh, we should make games. a billboard
1: game. <laughs> we should find a way to make a billboard game. I mean sure we need a lot of space, but that sounds perfectly interesting let's do billboard tetris (laughs) we're gonna put some guys there in black hiding
0: but yeah i mean let us know what games you play let us know like what do you think about analog game versus video gaming do you like the fact that rules can be bent Do you like the fact that or do you think rules should be very strict to
1: make the game more fun uh let's let's know what you think in the comments below and maybe if you want you could also give us suggestions on certain topics regarding analog gaming that we could talk about
0: and of course check out the other shows in channel14.com
1: check out third world linux the star sun star weekly weekly podcast podcast, right sun star weekly podcast and bodega Bodega nights Nights whenever that happens it's happening don't don't worry this is not actually a joke it will happen it is like the nuclear missile that everyone thinks will never launch but will launch
0: actually it's gonna be more for Duke Nukem Forever but a little sooner
1: Yeah, but if But you know what happened With Duke Nuko Forever, dude
0: Yep We enter the off-tangent section Yes That's what this is, guys
1: Hey. hey, dudes. Dows here. Yay! Yeah. <laughs> yes, we called him in because we of our technical difficulties. Apparently, it seems our microphones are considered as sound cards. Yeah. And yeah. our computer doesn't like them.
0: Well, Audacity doesn't like them.
2: No, it's not that. Audacity likes them. It's, you know... It's a matter of massaging. <laughs>
0: it, so would you say, you know, working, that's like working a lady? Except a little bit less complicated?
2: Uh next question
1: <laughs> yeah let's not get into that otherwise I might get into one of my colorful spiels about women
2: or about like
1: highly women. suggestive things I will say so magic the other when I said lawyer <laughs> game what did you think
2: <laughs> <laughs> i be
0: curious like from Jasper, because I uh, I mean people we used to joke around my friends that it's a lawyer game just because of the sheer amount of text that you he goes through and the fact that I mean same you have like this court this uh, case law where if something is upon a card, the, uh, why a card is used in a tournament, people refer to that, not the books. Like, okay, this thing referred to this way, therefore we will follow their decision. Yeah, totally. And base- So would you consider it like a... you played Magic Gathering, I think, before. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, looking at that, and have you seen the rule books? I mean, the really thick rule books? No, 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 no. No.
2: But then, um, what's it? Like, mm-hmm. uh, you, you took the test, right? Yeah. Yeah and um uh what what you do is more akin to um what the judiciary does because you're supposed to apply the uh, apply the rules and in case of vagueness interpret them based on a set of criteria. Yeah. Like this okay. is how you're supposed to interpret this rule. Right? Okay. Um that's what the judiciary does. Okay. Uh so like when you come in whenever um whenever One of their players. Whenever one of your players puts his hand up and is like, "Hey, we need a decision. Yeah, Yeah, we need we need a ruling." Um, Those guys are the lawyers because they're explaining why it is meant to be as such, and you, as the uh, magic trial court judge. Decides. That know. sounds like the most awesome thing. So, I am the magic
1: trial court judge. So my it, world is my word is law. So con- magic law. So congratulations. <laughs> With that clarification, it has been confirmed by the court by the court of actuality that you are not playing the lawyer's game. You are playing the judge's game, as in well, depends, supreme court. Know. No, no, you're playing the supreme court's game. <laughs> no, that's um. The Wizards of the Coast. Yeah, they're the yeah. Supreme Court. Okay. Yeah. So what? Their re- like regional trial card?
2: Yeah, well, the MTC. <laughs> oh, okay. I mean,
0: you remember that. Th- I actually mentioned that. You remember the thing about the uh, time walk, right? Or do you not are not really clear on what happened there? Nope. What the, was original, the time walk? The original what? time walk card. What? I had one. What I really caused the incident? Because like, time walk, it really just had a uh, few words. It simply said... Uh, take an extra turn? No. That's a new one. The okay. original text was, uh, next player loses his, uh, player loses next turn. Okay. Target player loses next turn. So And how they were able to get to this, you as that person will lose in the next turn. Oh. So, time walk became an instant win where you lose next turn. And people said, you know, whatever is set, that you can't. You, you can't add words to it. You cannot change anything. Whatever is written, however it's written in the card, is how you have to define it. Okay. And people are looking at it it's like, yeah, it's not directly saying that you are losing that turn so that the next person gets to play again. It yeah. sounds like you have lost this turn. And that was actually a decision made during one of the major tournaments. And from there, they banned the card from use tournaments because it became the instant killer if you brought it out. It Especially be- since it wasn't that expensive to
1: cast back it was, then. It was one colorless, one blue yeah so essentially you weren't paying too turn much two. To turn two it was turn a turn two you lose it was a turn to
0: one card kill yeah nowadays it's i mean the card that came after it oh my gosh yeah i have never seen text that small on the card it'd be the, like okay the player loses next turn this that he does not get this the next player gets this one and then plays all these the, weird limits. yeah the sequel it. of the card you get an ex.
1: You get an extra. Yeah, actually, turn. that was the
0: most common. That's actually the simplest one, which came out a lot later. Actually,
1: there are like there have been several variants of the card, and the main changes were the amount of mana to pay, or the or different casting costs depending on the block.
0: Yep, and I mean that really bo- that really bothered them, especially when it came to words like destroy, annihilate, all these things. They really had to have definitions for them.
1: Yeah, because yeah, the thing is they don't. They don't use the word "destroy" anymore when it, when referring to destroying a creature. It's called it's kill now.
0: Yeah, because when they use the word "destroy," they try to say no, no, this is not killing you. You're not destroying it. Meaning the card should be removed from play. Yeah. So a
1: lot of these weird things happen, and gosh, the amount of no, no, no. remove <laughs> from play was, Um, of... remove from play was also changed to exile. Yeah,
0: really, there are like so many words, and yeah. this was just because of people, you know, playing the vocabulary game. Like, no, no, it doesn't mean that. It P- means this. And if Who has wo- the who say the final saying what words mean though? The uh, wizards
2: of the no. coast people?
0: It's actually the term judges who are there. That's why they're exams. To really make sure they understand it so fully because whatever they say, they essentially wrote there's a small judge who says, Okay, that makes sense, we'll pass your case. But like And do then people refer a, to that. But do they have like like uh, like an like a Supreme Court? Yeah, the, I mean the Wizards of the Coast are the main guys and they can overrule things that have been that they say it's wrong. But essentially, it does not remove, like, the effect there. I mean, if you should have won that game, it does, they don't, yeah. yeah, yeah. So,
2: you're not supposed to enact retroactive penal legislation. So, (laughs) there, yep. So, article, uh, section 22, article 3 of the Philippine Constitution. (laughs) Okay. So, um, does it, don't quote me on that. So, are there times
1: where, are there times in tournaments where judges will, will, like, if they see a situation similar, to a previous situation involving the same cards, they'll invoke a previous ruling. They
0: generally have to because if you do that, you're going against another person's ruling, and that gets really, really problematic.
1: I want to see how these rulings are worded.
0: Uh, it's they're pretty thick books. About this way, they're pretty thick books.
1: Yeah, I want I want to see how these rulings were worded. Very careful carefully nowadays. You should have seen back in 2nd edition No, no I crazy, want to know if they're worded
0: to how things were
1: worded. I w- no, I want to know if they're worded like a Supreme Court declaration. Probably not as technical sounding but probably equally as boring.
2: Okay. It, it depends though. Some Supreme Court rulings are really well written. Okay. Like there was this one case where um, the Supreme Court judge likened the requirement for rape to happen to attacking a drawbridge of a castle. Okay. Attacking the drawbridge of the castle is tantamount to attacking the castle in the same way that the mere touching of the penis to the labia counts as rape. Okay. Which is pretty cool if you think about it, like a castle and like a drawbridge and uh Yeah. So some I'm of just them are curious, pretty good. Like penis,
0: <laughs> <laughs> you see the penis the battering ram. You
2: see I'm
0: sorry to do this. What's going on here? <laughs>
2: yeah
0: you know I mean? oh god some no, of them are really uh, you, you'll never see Magic the Gathering rules like that unless
1: it's maybe for Unhinged oh great I, where you have the hokey pokey oh, night and now I just heard <laughs> now I just heard something that, I, that I'm going to be adding to one of my colorful spiels
2: and there was that other one that I um there was that other one that I posted on our Facebook group the one about yeah. um about love yes oh yeah I remember that <laughs> That uh, one. I remember commenting
0: on that one the courts defend twilight <laughs> wait the courts defend wait what really that no was- no I mean it wasn't defending twilight but how was like worded so are they saying twilight's okay <laughs> okay because they're about mis- the heart and wisdom and something did, like that yeah
2: yeah like did it uh, it, it said something like um, there is truth in the old adage that the heart has like love has reasons that the mind does not know or the heart has reasons reason that, that the mind does not know yeah, okay or reason cannot know <laughs> okay like, that's... That was from a Supreme Court ruling, dude. <laughs> um, our Supreme Court or the U.S. Supreme ours, Court? Ours, okay. ours. Okay. What case was this again? Uh... uh... Was
1: this
2: Jacob
0: versus... <laughs> <laughs> Jacob versus
1: Edward?
2: <laughs> I can't remember. 1779. 17, 1769. I think it was a labor case. It might have been a labor case. Okay. Sounds like a lot of work. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Oh my gosh! It's I really I remember Magic Gathering with all those weird things because you will hit these weird portions where this person has this card effect and this card effect and this card effect and it does this to this. I'm to this. I'm
1: starting to see this. I'm I I'd actually start seeing a lot of these uh ju- these judge rulings to be pretty important when uh judging vintage tournaments because because of the insane combos that are you know pretty pretty much staple in vintage tournaments. That's that I mean,
2: especially when you have an infinity loop. Yes, especially an infinity loop. How, how does that work? Like, are there, um, are there sets of rules depending on the um, edition that you're playing? Or... Uh,
0: the different editions have different rules to them also,
1: yeah. Okay. Because these...
0: since new things are added, they have to have rules to clarify these things. So when you go to older ones, applying new rules to the old ones doesn't really work too well. Um, Because it was never built around that system.
1: These days, updates to the rulings are pretty much done piecemeal every year or so when a new core set is released. Mm. So pretty much the changes these days have been pretty, pretty uh, minor or unsubstantial. And most of them were to, most of the changes were changing the wordings.
2: Okay. Um, but like in the absence of say like a new rule on the set that comes out, like we're like now on the 14th edition or something yeah. right
1: magic 20, 2015 yeah
2: yeah um does uh do the rules from the previous generation like apply unless they are like repealed yeah. yes the okay rule. unless um, there unless
1: there's an amendment that repeal it will say. unless it's okay. specifically stated that the rule was was on uh, is non-applicable anymore it is still to be applied for example the for example, it was when M10 came out. They made a new ruling where n- they made a new rule: no mana burn.
0: Oh yeah, I hated that rule just because I felt like it was meant for people who this did not understand math.
1: No, f- no, for me, I hated that rule because I couldn't commit seppuku anymore.